This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Now we go to an issue that all three parties are pledging to fix, long-term care. The entire system, as well as the nurse who got away with murdering patients in that system, are under the microscope in the inquiry that began in St. Thomas this morning. The inquiry's counsel says the real question is how was Elizabeth Wetlaufer able to keep killing only being caught after she confessed. Family members of some of her eight victims want to pinpoint flaws in the system that allowed this to happen, and they are hoping this will bring change. So we'd like to hear your experiences and expectations of this. Uh, the number is 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And right now we go to Lisa Levin, who is the CEO of Advantage Ontario, which is an organization representing a non-profit long-term care homes in the province. Hi, Lisa. Oh, hi, Libby. So uh, what are your expectations? What's been happening in the inquiry? So uh, today was the first day. They started with opening statements uh, from all of the different parties that that have standing, including uh, Advantage Ontario, uh, which is the organization I represent. Uh, And then there's going to be, they talked about the evidence, the documents that have been submitted. And then uh, the Inquiry Council went through each of the victims uh, that was uh, either murdered or attempted murder by Elizabeth Wetlaufer. It was very emotional, and uh, that's what's happened so far this morning. What are your expectations? So this is going to last for a while, I believe four months, this inquiry. Then there will be a time to come up with recommendations. It's a long process. What are your expectations? Well, my expectations is that, uh, you know, that changes will be made to the system coming out of findings from the inquiry so that this never happens again. I mean, this was a a horrible tragedy. Uh, It's very troubling. And uh, we want to make sure that this can never happen again. And also that broader issues uh, in the long-term care system can be addressed. Okay, uh, let's start with that. So there are some things that that people have already pointed out, uh, and that is partly the difficulty of getting staff, especially for certain shifts like a night shift, uh, the way that people are paid, the difficulty of disciplining them. Let's tackle those three things first. Sure. I just want to begin, though, by saying that there's very distinct issues. We need to separate out this criminal act and the larger issue that the sector faces. Um, When we look at staffing, it is very challenging to work in long-term care because there are not enough staff. And so the amount of funding from the ministry hasn't changed over time, whereas the conditions of the residents in the homes have changed dramatically over time, and they're much sicker than they used to be. So the homes are understaffed, and that puts a lot of pressure on the 
the existing staff. Uh, and so it's very difficult to provide proper and safe care. At night, uh, you will have typically one nurse caring for 130 residents, reg- one registered nurse, and one PSW caring for 28 residents. Now, when you have a home with 60% of individuals with dementia, many of them are up at night, and that no longer works. So, so that's one really big issue. Um, and so we need to fix that. Other things relate to labor relations. And it's very difficult for homes to have a zero tolerance policy for abuse when you need to go through the progressive discipline process. Um, so, it, it, you know, we want to protect workers, absolutely, but resident safety needs have to come first. Um, anyhow, sorry, I'm having some background noise because oh, I'm just in the courthouse. Can you still hear me okay? Yes, well, we hear you just fine, and we're actually not hearing your uh uh, your background noise. Okay, okay. so okay. so we know those issues. There there are suggestions that it should be mandated that each long-term care residence gets four hours of care. Is that to you a solution? I believe that uh, there's no one solution, but certainly increasing the staffing to what we are calling for a provincial average of four hours of care per resident per day will go a long way towards helping to have greater coverage uh, for staff, for residents. However, that needs to be accompanied by a a comprehensive plan for health human resources across the province because it is very difficult to attract and retain staff in long-term care. So we need to, we can't just say have more staff, we need to uh, work together with government and uh, provide more opportunities and make it more attractive to work in long-term care. And is that just a function of raising the rates? I know uh, PSWs, personal support workers, do not make very much money. Uh, no, uh, you're right. Uh, there's certainly uh, issues of compensation. And when you compare the long-term care sector to hospitals, uh, there's, there's greater compensation in hospitals. But it's more than rates. It's a really complex issue. It's also a matter of, uh, you know, having staff work in a place where there is enough coverage where they feel that they're not run off their feet. Right now in long-term care, staff are just run off their feet, and they can't provide the proper care. And so there's also a lot of risk if you're a registered nurse in a nursing home and you're having to care for so many people, uh, you know, by yourself. So... There's all of those factors. And then we can't, of course, forget about rural and remote communities where it's always challenging to attract staff. And so maybe we need to be providing, the government needs to be providing additional financial incentives to get people to work in those areas. Uh, Lisa, I just want to give the numbers out again because I'd like to hear from people who have come up against these issues when they have loved ones in long-term care or friends in long-term care or they themselves. The numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. I'm talking to Lisa Levin about the inquiry into long-term care and Elizabeth Wetlawfer, which has just started today. Uh, What did you hear this morning, Lisa, that uh, really tweaked your interest? Well, it really drove home two things to me. Well, three things. Number one, just, you know, reminding ourselves once again, what a horrible tragedy it is. And sitting beside and next to the families of the victims, it's it's just, you know, so overwhelmingly sad. Uh, You know, you kind of wonder when you see the evidence start to 
come out in front of you, how it is that, that, that the home didn't realize that people were dying under this nurse's care of the same issues. Now, obviously, people die regularly in long-term care of natural causes, but we need to make sure that we, we track um, when people are passing away the factors surrounding that to see if there's any patterns. And, and uh, so that's definitely a big thing. And then, of course, the oversight of medication. Uh, apparently, uh, the, Elizabeth Wetlaffer was able to pick up, uh, you know, p- uh, insulin cartridges because there would be extras. And so we need to more carefully control. Like, long-term care is highly, highly regulated. And that's something that the general public may not realize. But clearly, in the, in the case of medication, we need to have stronger controls across the sector uh, on medication management. Let uh, me ask you this. Uh, it's, I was under the impression that those things, especially the control of medication, has already been tightened up. Am I mistaken? Yes, it's already been tightened up, but there's also other solutions uh, that can help, such as specialized equipment that they have in hospitals that a lot of long-term care homes can't afford, that are locked cabinets that automatically dispense uh, medication. So there's more that can be done, I believe, but we would need to have additional funding in the sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lisa, please hang on. We have to take another break, uh, and we'll be right back with more on this very, very important inquiry that affects so many people. Before we go to break, the numbers to call if you have a story about long-term care or a question about this inquiry, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-744-740, and we will be right back with more on the long-term care inquiry into Elizabeth Wetlawfer's crimes. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We are talking about the long-term care inquiry just kicked off in St. Thomas. We've got Lisa Levin on the line, and I am going to take a call from Bridget in Norfolk, Ontario. Hi, Bridget. Hi. How are you? Thank you for taking my call. You're very welcome. What's on your mind? Um, Just really the role of personal support workers. Um, I worked for Home Care CCAC for a number of years don't anymore and uh, personal support workers were always the quote lowest people on the totem pole if you like but they were they were one of the most important people because they spent the most time but even if you have one personal support worker to 28 people in a long-term care home that's that's a tremendous expectation on somebody who has I believe it's six weeks training now to become a personal support worker um, and there's also the factor of long-term care homes and personal support workers in the community. Um, certainly, the, the compensation isn't as good as in hospitals. And until that happens, you won't get people wanting to become a personal support worker unless they have to. Um, and you also um, won't you know, get people in working in the community and in long-term care homes because it's much easier to work in a long-term care home than work in the community. So really, you'd be robbing, you know, pieces of paper. 
Okay. Um, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, appreciate your comment. It's, it's not to do really with the with the Whitlock case, but it is the other but thing about about medications. Um, the oversight of, I believe, um, your your uh, speaker was saying the oversight of medications. She was able to pick up insulin cartridges. Um, again, if you have one RN who's responsible for 132 patients and they have a crisis of somebody who's deteriorating, um, but, you know, this person is also responsible for giving out pain medications or whatever, it, that is tremendous responsibility. Yes, she's pointed that out. Bridget, thanks very much for your call. Um, Lisa, you know, these are things that you pointed out. Um, what are some of the other things that we can expect to hear about that are systemic things that maybe could change? Well, we need to look at the role of the College of Nurses of Ontario. And, uh, you know, they really should be obligated to conduct an investigation if a nurse is terminated due to patient or resident safety issues. And then there's a previous history of that. And so, you know, that's something that could have certainly prevented, uh, you know, some of the later murders in this case. And we need to make sure on a go-forward basis that the college takes a very strong role in its oversight. Uh, the, The other thing is that, um, through the labor relations process and arbitration, employers are often mandated to disclose um, to sorry employers should be mandated to disclose terminations related to resident or patient safety right now they're they 're sometimes required through arbitration to write positive reference letters and you know we have to wonder uh, elizabeth Wetlofer you know had performance issues uh, at caress and care and then she went on to work in other locations. So you have to wonder, well, what happened? Were references checked? We don't know that yet. That hasn't come out yet. Uh, But certainly we know from our members, and we have 195 uh, long-term care home members, a number of them have had to give positive reference letters for employees with disciplinary issues. Well, exactly. And I I know in general, in... uh whatever whatever your sector is that that you can you can be opening up yourself to some kind of legal action if you give a negative reference people don't do it yeah yeah Yeah. so we need to protect and safeguard our residents of course we need to make sure employees have rights as well i'm not saying that but we also have to make sure that resident patient safety comes first Okay. Well, yes. I. I. Uh, uh, and again, you know, do you believe that's going to be a tough balance, especially, you know, when they're uh, because when when these jobs are unionized. Well, you know, unions have a very important role uh, in Ontario, and uh, they have strong voices, and we need to listen to them because they they play an important role. But certainly, when you're at an inquiry and you see, you know as we did this morning, pictures of 14 different people who were either murdered or attempted, or who Elizabeth Wetlopper attempted to murder, up on the screen, it certainly, one would hope that it would push uh, government to put in place certain measures so that this doesn't happen again. Okay, and uh, Lisa, what is some of the testimony that you are looking forward to in the coming days? Well, you know, we're going to be hearing over the next few weeks from the different facilities and uh, and what's happened with, uh, you know, the, the history with Elizabeth Wetlofer in those facilities. So I want to hear, you know, what exactly happened and, and look for how this could have been prevented. And I also want to hear what the College of Nurses has to say and see what process they went through, because, you know, we don't know yet what, what happened there. And, 
And then also just see in terms of, uh, you know, we're going to be asking questions about what was the labor, the uh, collective or the labor relations process that went on. And, you know, were there situations where uh, reference letters were provided that were positive? So those are the kinds of things that we're looking out for. Okay. Lisa Levin, Advantage Ontario, thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.